The following message is from Temple Bible Church. For more information about the church and its ministries, visit www.templebiblechurch.org. Matt Lou and Jesse Brandon are back with us from Malaysia. Where are you guys? Would you stand for a moment? Let's give uh, the uh, Brandons a welcome back to TBC. They'll be with us the uh, next several months. Be with us the next several months. Jesse's here to take off for college and uh, have them over for dinner one night. They would love that, and you would love it as well. Great folks that we've supported for how many years? Matt, any idea? Long time. Long time. I remember when we both had hair, actually, so it's been a real long time. A couple of things. First of all, every dad, we've got a book for you, How God Makes Men, uh, out in the hallway before you leave the building. Make sure you pick one of those up gratis at TBC. We want to aid you in uh, your maturity as a godly man and as a father and as a husband. A couple other things. First of all, uh, remember we've got a team headed for the Ukraine. You can send a kid to camp for 40 bucks. Our Ukrainian kids there, any excess money will go to help for... Uh, folks traveling as well as other expenses associated with that. Make your check out to TBC Memo Ukraine or Ukraine Camp and we'll make sure it gets to them. Impact over 1,100 kids in Bell County heard the gospel this week. Amazing. If you were involved in impact in any way, if you're involved in any way, a host home, a driver, food, transportation, uh, one of our youth who shared, uh, your kids went to impact. If you had anything to do with impact, would you stand so we can thank you this morning? We'd like to thank you. Keep standing for a moment. Keep standing. Take a look around, guys. Take a look around. It's a church-wide event. We had... uh, 160 young people and over 100 adults who participated in some way. So thank you for your service to the body. And our prayer is one day we'll meet kids in heaven who came to know Christ this past week. I got a great uh, email from one of our young high school girls this week or junior high. And uh, she shared with me the story of a young girl she met at Ferguson Park uh, who dad is in prison and uh, lives with an uncle who's teaching her about the occult. And during the course of the week, she came to trust Christ as her savior. So... Uh, Just one story of many. And so we pray that that will bear much fruit. You know, the past uh, few months have uh, been difficult on me. This video will explain why it has been so. What's wrong, son? I want you to go to me some bluebells. You want some what? Some bluebells. But nobody has any bluebell ice cream. Yeah, they do. They have bluebell art. They have bluebells. I want to be one. They don't have any bluebell ice cream, sir. No, they don't have any. They have bluebells. They don't have What about some other kind of ice cream? No, I want bluebells. No other kind of ice cream will do? No, I want some bluebells. I've done the same thing in the freezer section at HEB, so it, uh, I, I saw that and thought, i got to show that to you guys. Uh, one of the things I'm grateful for, you guys pray for me every day. Uh, clear scans this week, so another six-month reprieve. <laughs> to God be the glory. To God be the glory. I'm grateful, but I also recognize there are many people not as fortunate as I've been who battle with disease, so uh, we intercede and pray for you as well. Uh, you know, another tragedy in our nation. Uh, this week, all of us have been glued to 
I mean, so many things are happening. It seems like every week in the news there's another tragedy. Uh, oftentimes it's involving race. Sometimes it's not. Uh, sometimes it's religion. Sometimes it's not. But I felt compelled for us to pray today for our nation, for Charleston in particular, but our nation in general, and some of the great tragedies that have been taking place. So uh, I'm going to encourage dads, challenge dads, but we're going to pray for our nation first. Amen. Why don't we stand together as I pray? Father, it's with great joy that we honor dads this day. It's with great joy that we honor you this day, the ultimate father. And Lord, we recognize that in our nation there's great tragedy. Lord, we recognize that uh, the results of bitterness and hatred that's been inbred for a long time sometimes is open on display, and our hearts grieve that. Father, we pray that we would repent from any anger, hatred, bitterness that we might have to other folks because of anything that would separate us from the love of Christ. And Father, we pray if we're red, yellow, black, or white, Lord, we pray that we would be those who reach across aisles, reach across chairs, reach across streets to love one another as Christ loved us. And so, Father, we pray that we might be those who bring about reconciliation. We pray for our nation that there would be great reconciliation. Today, we pray specifically for the families affected in Charleston, but Lord, our hearts also cry out for folks around the world. Just reading the papers today, seeing hundreds of people who lost their lives by violence in various places. And so, Father, we pray, we pray that folks will bow their knee before you, recognize you as the ultimate Father, as the King of kings and Lord of lords, and that Jesus will reign supreme. Folks will repent and turn to him. So we pray that. We pray for our nation, Father, that seems to be in turmoil. We pray for nations around us that are in turmoil. And we pray, Lord Jesus, that indeed you would be the one who receives great glory in your name, amen. I'm sure you've noticed that uh, moms and dads are different, amen? I, I mean, we're totally different. We see life through a different lens. It doesn't make one right and one wrong. We're just different. I, I was thinking back about how when our kids were home, Bev was always in touch with their emotional side and me, well, not quite as much. And uh, you see it in different ways. We'd be playing games, and uh, my, my deal was I wanted my kids to learn how to play. I wanted to learn how to play fair, but, you know, in life, you don't win every game. And uh, so once in a while, we'd make sure that uh, we just trounced them, and so we did that. <laughs> and for me, it was like, hey, that, Daniel, that's the way life is. It's not always fair, and Bev is over there comforting him, saying it's okay. Uh, Dad's not going to be mean like that all the time. Um, you, and then... You, Sarah would get hurt by friends, and uh, I, I would say, sweetie, that's the way it is in relationships, and Bev would want to take her out shopping and uh, make sure that she would be comforted and soothed. And then there was watching movies. When you watch movies together as a family, it's quite interesting. I, I'm a two-hanky guy at a John Wayne movie. I'm Italian, so I cry at anything. Uh, but that, there's sometimes when you watch a movie and you're thinking, that, that's really good. That captures everything uh, you're thinking about. So sometimes Bev, they'd be, you know, be crying over something. She'd put her arm around him. And then sometimes there would be a movie that came on and I would think that captures exactly what I want to say. One of my favorite movies is A League of Their Own. Uh, you know that movie? There's a great line in that movie. Uh, Terry, I think we've got it. If you can cue it up, uh, it, it's the first video that we have up there. This is my favorite line in the whole movie. <laughs> Are you crying? No. Are you crying? Are you crying? There's no crying. There's no crying in baseball. And every man says, amen. I mean, you're no crying in baseball. What are you doing crying out there? Come on. 
we're different. I mean, we're just different in the way we parent. And, uh, you know, a picture's worth a thousand words. So I found some pictures that demonstrate the difference between men and women uh, when it comes to parenting. Here's one. Here's the difference between men and women. I mean, there's the mama, there's the dad. Here we go. Um, there, uh, mom and dad. I'm not saying do any of these things. There's a... Let's face it, every kid would want that to happen, right, guys? I mean, every kid would love that. And uh, there we go. You know, impact is a big deal around here. Impact's a big deal. And uh, as I was putting this message together, I, I love to go some of the same passages on Father's Day because I think they speak to my heart and hopefully to your heart as well. And I was thinking this past week, I mean, we've been gearing up for impact. Really, it's a 52-week deal. And I was putting my message together. I thought, how do we become dads of impact? We've just watched our young people impact a community. And we pray that impact goes on year-round. But how do we become dads of impact? How do we become fathers of impact, grandfathers of impact? How do we do that? So if you look at the bulletin, I've given you a little acrostic that we're going to fill in and look at how do we become men of impact. A dad of impact. First of all, a dad of impact is a man who intercedes for his family. There we go. He intercedes for his family. To be a dad of impact, you be a dad who prays for, prays over, and prays with your children. Let me repeat that. You want to be a dad of impact. You become a dad who prays for, who prays over, and prays with your children. There's a great example of a dad who interceded for his son in John chapter 4. That's why I had you turn there first. We pick up the story in verse 46. He came therefore again to Cain of Galilee where he had made water wine. And there was a certain royal official whose son was sick at Capernaum. Now, the distance from Capernaum to Cana, we've just been there, both those places, it's about 25 miles. 25 miles up a mountain, over a mountain, and back down. So it's quite a hike. It's not an easy journey. It's through uh, the, the road that leads to the Sea of Galilee. And, and when he heard that Jesus had come out of Judea into Galilee, he went to him. And he was requesting him. And the verb that's used there is a verb that indicates he's asking over and over and over again. He's begging is what he's doing. He's begging Jesus to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. So if we understand what's happening here, this royal official, literally the king's man is what it says. The, the, the actual word in the original text, the king's man. This is one of Herod's most trusted officials. He resides in the town of Capernaum. It's a beautiful little area right on the shores of the Sea of Galilee. He, he probably had a two-chariot garage and had a, a, a villa on the sea. I mean, he was one of Herod's guys. He was a trusted man. He had all the accoutrements of life. He had money, he had wealth, he had position, he had prestige, he had a tableau of ornate furnishings through his house. He, he, he was a wealthy man. But all that stuff couldn't buy him what he wanted. What he wanted more than anything else for his son to be healed. What he wanted more than anything else is for his son's life to be spared. And he could turn and look at everything that he had. He could turn and look at the city that he, he ruled over for Herod. And he could see all these things. But the thing he so desperately needed, the thing he so desperately wanted, he could not buy. And so he comes to Jesus and he does something he's not accustomed to. He begins to beg before him. People come to him to beg. He doesn't go to people to beg. And he came to him and Jesus does something that uh, is quite unusual. Rather than displaying compassion to him, he rebukes him. Look at verse 48. 
He rebukes them. He says, unless you people see signs and wonders, you simply will not believe. And so Jesus comes and rebukes this man and says, uh, you're part of the group that wants a sideshow. I mean, Jesus' ministry had almost become a three-ring circus. People were clamoring to him, not because of his message, but because of his miracles. They were coming to him not because of what he was saying, but because of what he was doing. And Jesus says, you're one of that group. You just want more signs and you just want more wonders. By the way, there's a movement out there that says you have to have signs and wonders. And God still does that. God is in the business of performing signs. He's in the business of doing wonders. But the reality of it is we have the resurrected Savior, which is the greatest miracle that could ever take place. And so we look at that and Jesus turns to him and and he says to him, go your way. Your son lives. Well, I'll submit to you. That's not what that dad wanted to hear. He didn't come there for Jesus to send him back home. He came there to get Jesus to bring him back home. He wanted Jesus to come with him because he knew if Jesus came, there was hope for his son. There was hope that those little legs would run once again and, and, and that little body would be out with his friends again. And so this dad now has a monumental decision to make. Is he going to take Jesus at his word and trust him and go home? Or is he going to wait until he comes with him? Well, it's quite interesting what happens. This man has more faith than most people in that time. It says, the man believed. I circled in my Bible the word believed. He believed the word of Jesus and he started off. I mean, he believed what Jesus said. At that moment in time, this man exercised great faith. Pulsing from his heart was a desire to see his son healed. Jesus tells him to, to go home. Your son's going to be okay. So, sir, come down before my child dies. His voice cracks. Tears wind down his face. And Jesus says, it's okay. Just go home. What would you do? <laughs> You've got Jesus with you. And you can bring him home. And you know all the power he has. You've heard of all the miracles he's performed. And Jesus says, just go. It'll be okay. But go home. Verse 50. Your son is alive. And the man listened to him and took off. Well, as he was now going down, his sons met him, saying that his son was living. So he inquired of them the hour in which he began to get better. And they said, yesterday at the seventh hour. I mean, this is a 25-mile hike over mountains. It took a while to get back and forth. And he said, yesterday when he said he would be healed, he was healed. And the man wrecking to himself, he knew the hour which Jesus had spoken these words. And he knew that these things had come true. This is the second sign. Second sign Jesus performed. But look at also what it says at the end of verse 53. Your son lives, and he himself believed in his whole household. Things changed not only physically in his house, but they changed spiritually in his house. You see, what happened now, this man who went home, his faith sprung to life. It took root in the garden that was overlooking the Sea of Galilee, and there it would flourish behind the beautiful walls that, that, that kept his house and villa set apart from the others there. And you can color this dad faithful. He interceded for his son. If you want to be a dad of impact, you be a dad who intercedes for your sons and daughters. You be a dad who who commits them to the Lord in prayer. You be a dad who prays with them, who prays over them, who prays for them. And you, you have the blessing to be a dad who makes an impact through prayer. Some of you live a distance from your sons and daughters. Some of you are close by to your sons and daughters. Our son and his wife have lived away from us for the last seven years while he's been training. They moved to Houston next week. We can't wait for that to happen. I've got a grandchild who's a namesake. Ivor Geary is his name. I've not met him yet. He was born Easter weekend. I've not laid eyes on him except on Facebook. 
And the joy, though, of praying for him every day. There's not a day goes by I don't pray for each of those kids and grandkids. It's the great privilege we have as men and women. But I'm dressing dads today. Pray for them, pray over them, pray with them. There are opportunities. Tuck them in bed at night. Be, be a dad who tucks them in bed. When we tucked our kids in bed at night, we prayed with them every night. We lay hands on them, pray with them, pray over them, pray for them. Then we get up in the morning, and uh, when our kids got a little older, we would, uh, I, I've told you this before, we would pull out the globe, and we would use this book, Operation World, jot it down, pick it up. And so we began to pray for the nations when our kids were young. And so every morning we'd come down and have breakfast together, and uh, it, sometimes we're just slamming down something quickly so they can get to school, but uh, we'd pull out the globe, we'd spin it, they could find the nation we're praying for, and then we would look at the prayer request for that nation, we'd pray for the nations before they took off. Pray with them, pray for them, then pray over them, pray over them, pray, pray for them by name, name their names before the Savior, pray over them. One of the great joys we used to have was sneaking upstairs after they were asleep and just as they're sound asleep, laying hands and praying over them. No idea what had taken place that night. It's one of the great privileges of being a grandpa too. I mean, the privilege of praying for, praying with, and praying over. I told you I started having man-to-man talks with my grandsons. So we'll go out and we'll lay in the yard and we'll look at the clouds and I'll say, what do you see up there? And, you know, well, the sky, Papa Doe. Or, no, what do you see in the clouds? Look at the you, you, you see that face over there? And they think, what are you smoking, Papa Do? <laughs> I don't say that, but I mean, you know. What are you thinking, Papa Do? You're hallucinating. Those drugs have gotten to you that you're taking for that stuff and all that. But then you get to pray with them for a little bit. Hey, let me pray for you. Let Papa Do pray for you for a minute. And, and it's a privilege to do that. By the way, dads, they hear you pray. They hear you pray. Somebody calls you on the phone and they've got a prayer request, pray with them. If you call me at the office, call me on my cell phone, you say, Gary, I need you to pray, I'm going to pray for you. My kids have heard me pray hundreds of times for you. Just, just pray before them, pray with them, pray over them, pray for them. They listen though, and then they mimic us, and then they pray. One guy says, my five-year-old son and I were headed to McDonald's, we passed a car accident. Uh, usually when we see these types of things, we pray that no one would be hurt and And so he said, Dad, I think we should pray. And I began to uh, push my chest out thinking, my son's learned from me that that we pray in times like this. And so from the back seat, I heard him pray earnestly, please, God, don't let those cars be blocking the entrance to McDonald's this morning. (laughs) I pray. And grandpas, we're no different as we pray with them. You know, I like to put my grandkids on my lap and pray with them and over them. But be careful. The story of a little girl sitting in her grandfather's lap. And he was reading her goodnight story and, uh, from, from the scriptures. And uh, she looked up at him and she rubbed his hands, her hands on his wrinkled face. And she, she looked at his eyes and uh, the brow and his brow, wrinkled brow. And she said, Grandpa, did God make you? Yes, sweetheart. Uh, did God make you a long time ago? Yes, he did, sweetheart. Uh, and she pondered for a minute and she said, he's getting a lot better, isn't he, Grandpa? <laughs> hey, I want to give a shout out to the men in our body. There are a lot of men in this body who do what I'm talking about. They pray for, they pray with, and they pray over their kids. If you've got a dad like that, you're blessed. If you've got a dad with you like that, you're blessed. Or a grandpa with you like that, it'd be a great time to lean over and give him a hug and thank him for being a dad of prayer. Go ahead, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you some time to do this today. 
shake his hand, give him a hug, thank God for him on this day. And dads, man, pray for him. Pray for him. You know, a lot of times when we have prodigals, all you can do is pray and model, pray and model, pray and model. And so be a dad who intercedes. The best time to start doing this, right now. Right now. And I give a shout out to many of you men who are faithful in praying for your sons and daughters. Be a dad of impact. You intercede. You model Christ to your family. You model Christ to your family. One of my favorite verses is 1 Corinthians 11.1. Paul says, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. That's a great verse for parenting. Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. You not only tell them the way, you show them the way. You not only tell them about Christ, but you walk with Christ. A man of impact, a man of impact has more to do than tell the way. He shows the way. See, there's nothing more confusing to a child than a parent who says one thing but acts another way. He says one thing about speech, but then there's cursing coming out of his mouth. He speaks about integrity, but he lives a life of dishonesty. A man who speaks about not gossiping or lying, and he gossips and lies, or a man who talks about treating his wife well and then he doesn't do it. Or a man who talks about faithfulness and he abuses pornography or alcohol or whatever. And I pray that we will be men who are not that way. I mean, there's some kids, they wonder, who am I going to get today? Am I going to get glad dad or am I going to get mad dad? Or they come to the dinner table and it's like, it's one of those things. We don't know if dad's going to be happy today or if he's going to erupt like a volcano. And so they, they wrestle with those things. And we get happy dad or grumpy dad today. So men, let's make sure that our actions match our words. I've always said it's one thing to say I love you. It's a whole other thing to demonstrate I love you. It's one thing to speak the words. It's another thing to live the life. Don't say I'm always going to be here when you get ready to leave your family. Don't say I'm always going to keep my word when you know you're not keeping your word. Don't say sure I love the Lord, but... It's a wrestling match just to get you to church, much less anything more. Be a man of consistency. Jim Dobson said this. He said, a Christ-like example is the greatest gift a dad can leave to the next generation. That's so true. A Christ-like example is the greatest thing you can leave. Lead by example. They watch you. I watched our granddaughter. We've got five grandsons and one granddaughter. And I watched her. She has three older brothers. When she was two years old, She's picking up an iPhone or an iPad, either one of them, and knows how to operate it. Now I'm thinking, I'm 60 years old. I barely know how to operate it. I mean, how does she know that? You know why? She's watching those brothers. She's watching her mom. She's watching her dad. They learn. They watch us. They mimic us. Whatever we do, they do. And so we need to be moms and dads who not only speak the way, but we show the way. I admire many of you men. Many of you men are balancing, demanding careers, a marriage, a ministry, and I've watched you invest in your families well. You've encouraged me to be a better dad. And I praise God for you. When you saw all the men that stood up in here, it's amazing. I mean, it's amazing of a church filled with men. And I pray that you'll be men who walk with Christ, honor Christ, lead the way, and show the way. Let me be real practical, dads. Let me be real practical. Make sure your kids see you in the Word on occasion. Make sure they hear and know your story so they don't have to thump you on your dead head one day. Make sure they hear what God is teaching you. When our kids were young, we loved to have people in our house, not just for hospitality and friendship, but I wanted my kids to hear you talking. If missionaries came to town, we wanted to have them in. 
when guests came to town, wanted to have them in. When we needed volunteers to host college students at TBC, which we do every year, we volunteered to host college students in our home. Why? It's not because we have a lot of extra nights, but it's because I wanted those college students around my table pulsing their life into the lives of my kids. I wanted my kids being exposed to godly people who walk with Christ, honor Christ, serve Christ as often as we could. Howard Hendricks, one of my prophets at Dallas Seminary, used to say, a casual attitude towards your home invites casualty within your home. And so I pray that we will be models of Christ's likeness. And if you've got a dad who walks with Christ and honors Christ, man, you are blessed beyond belief. 51-year-old man said this, I've learned I can't expect my children to listen to my advice and ignore my example. They're not going to listen to your words. Your actions speak louder than that. Train up children the way they should go, but make sure you go that way yourself. There's a little man who went to church every Sunday even though he was deaf. He couldn't understand a word of the sermon. They didn't have translators. He couldn't understand any of the lyrics from the worship team, the songs being sung. Couldn't understand the preacher when he preached. Finally, a scoffer said, why do you spend your Sundays in church when you can't hear or understand a word? He said, I want my neighbors to know whose side I'm on. That's why. It should be, yeah. should be the same thing for us as dads. Hey, I want my kids to know, why do I go to a small group during the week? Why do you do that? For two reasons. I want to be more like the Savior, and I want to honor him with my life. Secondly, I want to lead my family that way. Why do you serve? Why do you give 10% of your money to a church? Why would you do that? Because I want to worship the God who has given me life and honor him with that. Explain it to your kids. When our kids were in high school, I gave him our checkbook for a month. You're thinking, that's crazy. Well, how's they going to learn? How do you learn how to budget? How do you learn how to give? And so for one month in their senior year, we sat down together and said, uh, I'm assigned the checks, you're going to write them, but I want you to see how we spend our money as a family. And uh, it impacted them to this day. Impacted them. Aren't you afraid they're going to see how much you make? And I mean, my kids. I'm not afraid they're going to see stuff. I want them to see stuff. Who else is going to teach them those things? Who's going to teach them not to get in debt? Who's going to teach them to be generous givers? Who's going to teach them to support missionaries? Who's going to teach them to give to the church that they worship at? And so, so, so be a dad who sets that example. Thirdly, want to be a dad of impact? Be pure for your family. Be pure. I'm talking in the realm of sexual purity now. If you want to be a dad of impact, you be sexually pure for your family. Dads, it should bring us great joy when we can sit with our sons and daughters and talk to them about their purity and use ourselves as an example. It should bring us great joy. Uh, you know, by God's grace, Bev and I are asked to speak on marriage on occasion. In fact, we're at camp all this week speaking. And uh, when we talk about sexuality and purity, we share that by God's grace, we have 38 years of marriage, almost 39 this September. And by God's grace, we've been faithful to one another that entire time faithful. And so we're sitting there and our adult kids are sitting in the audience and uh, I'll tell them, you know, we've been faithful. I don't know. And by the way, we still enjoy it. <laughs> We've got kids in this room, so I'm not going to fill in all the blanks for you, but my wife and I, after 38, almost 39 years of marriage, and my adult kids are sitting there going, oh, don't talk like that. I can't stand that. 
And I looked at him and said, oh, yeah, it's good. It gets better and better. So dads, be pure. Be pure. For this is the will of God, your sanctification. That is, you abstain from sexual immorality. It's pretty clear. You want to know what the will of God is? Here it is right here. Sex outside of marriage is sin, period. Period. That doesn't matter what it is. Any sex outside of marriage, I'm talking about the marriage of a man and a woman. Any sex outside of marriage between a man and a woman is sinful and wrong, period. And so if you want to know what it is, here it is right here. This is the word of God. Many people come to say, Pastor Gary, I want to know what God's will is. Well, here's God's will right here. If you're married, if you're single, doesn't matter what you are, sex outside of marriage is wrong, period. And marriage, as we say in the scriptures, Genesis is very clear. For this cause, a man shall leave his mother and father and cleave to his wife. It's between a man and a woman for a lifetime. Job 31.1, one of my favorite verses, I made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully at a young woman. Gentlemen, some of us need to make that, that, make that covenant commitment. We need to protect our eyes. You need to put some filters on your computers. You need to get rid of some things in your home. You need to get et cetera, et cetera. You know where I'm coming from with that. There was a song that came out in the 60s, I Only Have Eyes for You. Remember that song if you're a baby boomer? That should be every godly man's desire. I only have eyes for the woman that God has given me. In Proverbs chapter 5, Solomon writes about these things. And he says this, beginning in chapter 5, My son, give attention to wisdom, incline your ear to understanding that you may observe discretion and your lips may reserve knowledge for the lips of an adulteress drip honey and smoother than oil is her speech. But in the end, she is as bitter as wormwood and as sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet lead you to death. You wonder what it's like to have sex outside of marriage? It may be fun and thrilling and exciting the first time, but you should be filled with guilt and shame and remorse every time. Because you're breaking what God wants you to do. In fact, but here's the positive. I, I don't want you, I, I want this to be encouraging. Drink water from your own cistern. Drink fresh water from your own well. Should your springs be dispersed abroad? Streams of water be placed in the streets? No. Let them be yours alone and not for strangers with you. Let your fountain be blessed. Rejoice in the wife of your youth as a loving hind and a graceful doe. Let her breast satisfy you at all times. Be exhilarated always in her love. And every man says, that's it. (laughs) Every man says, you ought to be shouting, guys. I mean, listen to what he said here. Let her love, let her breast, everything satisfy you all the days of your life. The scriptures are very clear. Man, this is a good thing God has given us for pleasure, procreation, procreation, and protection. Amen. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> Finally, I get a hallelujah. You know, this is something God has given us. It should be great joy to us. The world is deceptive. You remember this ad? It was in the Atlanta Constitution. Last time I used it was House of Cards. Single black female seeks male companionship, ethnicity unimportant. I'm a very good-looking girl who loves to play. I love long walks in the woods, riding in your pickup truck, hunting, camping, fishing trips, cozy winter nights, lying by the fire. Candlelight dinners will have me eating out of your hand. Rub me the right way and watch me respond. I'll be at the front door when you get home from work wearing only what nature has given me. Kiss me and I'm yours. Call 404 number and ask for Daisy. 
Over 15,000 men found themselves calling the Mana Humane Society about an eight-week-old black Labrador retriever. (laughs) 15,000 men. Ladies, I want to talk to you for a minute about this. I'm not here to beat up on men. I'm here to encourage you. So I want to talk to you about you and your husband's sexuality. Okay, ladies, listen up. I mean, this is a great time to poke her in the ribs and tell her to take notes. Okay, give her your pen if you need to. Just as it's important for a man to be pure, it's important for you to be pure. I talk to men all the time. Let me talk to you ladies. What about your purity? About your purity. The way that you dress modestly. Make sure you dress modestly. Last time I did this talk, I had about 100 women go poop, just like that out there. <laughs> What about flirting? Who are you texting? Give me one good reason why you should be Facebooking an old boyfriend. Not one. I can't tell you the tragedy that I've had to deal with over the last 10, 15 years. Well, we just started as friends. We were old friends, and we just Facebooked, and we started talking, and then we met, and then blah, 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 blah. And it's a great tragedy. Ladies, it always takes two to tangle. Let me tell you about your husband's sexuality. When I did House of Cards a few summers ago, we did a survey of TBC men. And one of the questions was, uh, what days do you prefer to have intimate relationships with your wife? We found out the men at TBC prefer matrimonial activities on days that start with T. Tuesday, Thursday, today, and tomorrow. One of the things I've learned is Satan will do anything to get you together sexually before marriage and anything he can to keep you apart sexually after marriage. Ladies, if uh, your husband didn't talk to you for three weeks or three months at a time, you would think that was abominable. But for some of you, the sexual relationship you have goes three weeks, three months, or even longer without taking place. And that's abominable. I know it's not easy. Jenny arrived home from work to find her children bathed, one load of laundry in the washer, another in the dryer. Dinner was on the stove. The table was set. She was astonished. It turned out that Ralph had read an article that says wives who work full-time and then have to do all the housework are usually too tired to have a sexual relationship at night. So the night went very well. The next day, she told her office friends all about it. We had a great dinner. He cleaned up the kitchen after the meal. He helped the kids do their homework, folded the laundry, got them ready for bed. I really enjoyed the evening. He told me to relax and, uh, and take a, a nice warm bath, and he would take care of everything. Well, what happened afterwards, said one of our friends, well, that, Ralph said he was too tired. <laughs> she says, God is good. Dad, let me talk to you about one other thing in the area of purity. Talk to and protect your kids. Talk to and protect your kids. Talk to your kids. Make sure when they're coming, you have the talk. You be the dad who tells your kids about sex and sexuality. You you be the guy to do that. Uh, Moms, it's appropriate for you to take your daughters. Men, it's appropriate for you to take your kids. We did that. We took our kids away for a weekend. And uh, I'll never forget Sarah's response was, Bev told her all about it. And she says, oh, my gosh, that means you and dad have done that at least two times. But, but make sure they understand that. Never underestimate the power 
He affirms his family. He affirms his family. In First Thessalonians, or Mark 1, you are my beloved son whom I'm well pleased. The father affirming the son. First Thessalonians, you know we were exhorting, encouraging, imploring each one of you. Exhorting means to, to, to coax on, to push him ahead. To encourage means to come alongside. Is literally what the Greek word means. To come alongside. You come alongside. Imploring means you, you, you plead with them as a father does his own children. That's our opportunity to affirm our kids. We affirm our kids. Affirm your family. Dads, never underestimate the power of your words. Your presence, your words rather to your sons and daughters are words of blessing or words of harm. Speak words of blessing over them. I used to tell our kids, uh, many of you are new to TBC in the last few years, I used to, when my kids were home, there were many times I'd say, if we lived in a cul-de-sac, if I could line every kid in the whole world up around our cul-de-sac, and I could look down, I'd pick you out of everyone every time. And they would giggle and laugh, and we'd have a great time. And uh, the night before both of their weddings did the same thing. If I could pick every kid in the whole world, Sarah, I'd pick you. Daniel, I'd pick you. And we'd cry together because we knew that was the last night we're going to be together the way they are. Not that we don't love their spouses, we do, but just a great opportunity to affirm them one last time. Speak words of blessing into their life. The power of words. And then, by the way, speak words of blessing to your dad's life. I mean, every dad here would love to hear from a son or a daughter, an adult son or daughter, a young son or daughter. In fact, it's a great time if they're here now. You just bless them. Reach over. and If the father of your children is here, your husband, or if your dad is here, it's a great time to reach over and thank them for being the father of your kids and the dad if they're walking with Christ and honoring him. Why don't you do that right now? Tell dads. Here's an example of one guy that uh, just couldn't get it out. I used this two years ago. Watch it again. Get some sound. Well, dad, I'm just going to say it. I don't know why it's hard for me to talk real with you, but it is. And all we ever do is talk weather and sports and sports and weather, and that's it. I don't know. What I really want to say is I'm thankful for how you loved me growing up, and you always made time for me, and I love you. Happy Father's Day. That was really good. You think? Yeah, you need to tighten it up a little bit, but other than that, you're ready. Okay, thanks, Uncle Ron. Here goes. Son, looks like the uh, clouds are rolling in. Yeah, hope they don't postpone the game tonight. Listen, Dad, I wanted to I wanted to say something to you. Okay. Just I just want to thank of you for well, thank you for being you know. A, a dad, not not just a dad. You know, being for being one that's mine, and not well, of course not just mine. You're Jessica and Jordan's dad too, but it's it's cool, Matthew. I, I, yes, sir. I know, Dad. I, I don't think you do know. No, oh, no, I know. I heard you talking, to Uncle Ron. I was sitting just four feet from you. Well, I meant it.
There you go, guys. You know, for some of you, uh, that's a powerful piece. For some of you, it stabs at your heart because that's your relationship with your dad. For some of you, it's too late. Your dad's gone to glory. I, I would just say this. Man, take the opportunity and make sure those dads are appreciated. That's what Father's Day is about. Worship team, whoever, Laura, come, come and join me up here. I'm just going to give you the last two points. I'm out of time. So be a dad who impacts your family. Uh, you affirm, then you courageously lead your family. Uh, Joshua says, it's for me and my house. So we're going to serve the Lord. And then finally, be a dad who teaches his family. Uh, the book of Judges talks about uh, a generation that rose up and didn't know God. We had a, uh, a be a dad who makes an impact, not just an impression. You just want to impress your kids. You want to make an impact on your kids. We had one of the best deacon meetings we've had in the history of TBC this past week. We came to the meeting, and usually I lead a Bible study on whatever we're going to be talking about that day or this Sunday. And I said, guys, instead of uh, talking about Father's Day and the passage I'm going to be looking at, passages, here's what I'd like to do. I want you to give me one piece of advice to give our body about being a dad. And so we had uh, about 20 men there, intergenerational. We had young guys, we had old guys, we had white guys, we had black guys, we had Hispanic guys. Uh, we ran the map. We, we, we ran everything. And so uh, these are some of the things your deacons put together. Make sure you recognize the priority of your family over your career. Show up. Be there for your kids. Uh, love your wife. You want to be a dad of impact, you love your wife. Protect your wife. Protect your wife. One of our men said, I made sure, you, Gary, you preached about your wife being the queen of the house. I've made sure that happens in our house. Eat dinner together unplugged. You know, in our generation, not many folks have dinner together. You, you want to make a great impact on your kids? You start having dinner together unplugged means a TV off and the phone gone. Now, if I ask for a show, I'm not going to add, don't raise your hand. If I ask for a show of hands, how many of you have dinner unplugged together and you were honest, I would say it'd be less than 10% of us. TV, TV off, phone down, family having dinner together. As I grew up, one of the greatest times we had looking back was dinner together. With our kids, we did it, every, we did it usually three or four nights a week. Uh, throw a kid in the car with you. Mike Hagan taught me that a number of years ago. He's got like 20 kids, and I asked him, I said, how do you find time to, to, to spend with each of your kids? He said, I always throw a kid in the car with me. And, that, you know, I, I, I heard that, and so I've done that my, my whole time. Quality time with extended family. One of our men said, don't, don't forget to spend time with your parents and expose your kids to you, their aunts and uncles, etc." Have fun with them. Just don't watch them swim, swim. Just don't send them out in the yard to throw the ball. Go throw the ball with them. Uh, just don't tell them to go shopping. Take them shopping and give them your credit card. I said that. Uh, the power of the tongue to curse and to bless. One bad choice, one weak moment, you're away from losing everything you have. Little ears are always listening. Uh, purpose, to model Christ so they'll become passionate pursuers of the Savior. Guys, I'm going to give you a chance uh, to respond to this message. Give you a chance to respond to the message. Laura's going to sing, and when she sings, I'll be down here. I'll pray with any of you guys. Uh, some of you are great dads. Some of you are struggling as dads. Some of you have prodigals, and your heart breaks for your kids. Uh, I'm going to give you a chance to just come kneel down here and pray for your family. If you want to do that, you can do it. You don't have to, obviously, but if you want to do that, I'm going to do it. I'm going to get on my knees. I'm going to pray for my family. Anybody want to join me? You come and join me. You want me to pray for you? I'll do that, and uh, we'll pray over you. So uh, Lord's going to sing, we're going to pray, and we're going to honor God together. Amen.
Thank you for men, thank you for fathers, and thank you for being our father. Amen.